afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Superstar Wednesday. This is Authors on the Air, and I'm your host, Pam Stack. We are proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. My guest today is international best-selling author Steve Hamilton. Steve has. Um, hey. Hey there. Uh, Hi, let me tell you. Hi. Let me tell you a little bit about my friend Steve Hamilton, who has won more awards than anybody I can think of off the top of my head. But primarily, uh, I remember his first book, *The Lock Artist*, which not only won one award for best first novel, won two awards, and I think it's only happened one or two other times in history, in book award history. Uh, it was a fantastic book. As a matter of fact, I just went back and looked it up on my Kindle because I want to reread it. It's been a while since that one came out. Your new book, Steve, is Dead Man Running. It is part of the Alex McKnight series. Um, this book comes out next Tuesday. Congratulations on the new book. Well, thank you, Pam. It's great to be here talking to you. I always love talking to you. But Thanks. let me correct I... you on, on, on let me correct you on the lock artist. That was uh, the first book I ever did was was a cold day in paradise. Oh, sorry. That's, yes. Yeah, that's right. That's that was right. the first Alex McKnight. Yeah, Alex. That was nineteen. Right. That was twenty years ago. That's nineteen ninety eight. So we're coming. Oh we're actually God. this month is the twentieth anniversary. So it's been a long. Oh my road. God. How has it been that long? I know. I don't know. You were just a kid last time we talked. <laughs> <laughs> I still am. I, I think. I don't know. I think so, too. Hey, listen, um, you know, I think your fans love Alex McKnight. The people who read your books are really crazy about this character, and he is a reluctant hero, isn't he? Yeah, he really is, because that's sort of what that first book was all about, was him sort of, uh, he was a cop in in Detroit, and something terrible happened, and he left the force, and he, he goes to the most remote place he can find, which is, a real town called Paradise, Michigan. If you've ever been there, I wondered uh, if it was real. Yeah, it's a real place. It's you drive forever to get to a blinking light. Really, wow, just as wow. It's described in the book, and uh, he sort of, you know, the the whole idea of that first book. Again, this is going back twenty years. Is that you can't run from your from the from the from whatever it is that's chasing you, no matter how far you go yeah. into a little town called Paradise. And and from the beginning, he was always just. He never looks for trouble, but it has a way of finding him. Isn't that interesting? Uh, the trouble is drawn to him. He's a kind yeah. of a, a trouble magnet. But he's a very sharp guy, even though he doesn't want to be involved in any of this. Uh, he's quite resourceful. He has um, some skills, like I, I guess a skill set, <laughs> that you've armed him with, particularly over – now this is – Book fourteen in Alex this or is, book twelve? I this is book eleven in the Alex 11. series. In the Alex series, right? Alex um, so you you've you've armed him with some tools over the past series of books that you've written him. Is he going to get a break, Steve? I mean, is this guy well, going to get a break? You know, I, don't know if it, I mean, it, go I'm ahead. not sure it would really feel like an Alex McKnight book if he got a break, but. Um, as far as I mean, as far as that skill set goes, I mean, I think his biggest skill is that you knock him down and he gets back up. Really, I mean, that's yep. that is his primary skill. He yes. was a baseball player once upon a time, who never made it. He was a cop who had to leave the force, um, and now he is just he 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 rents out cabins. He tries to mind his own business. People need his help. He can't help himself. He helps people who need it, and he gets into all this trouble. 
and he gets beat up, and he gets all these things happen to him, but he keeps coming back. He 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 never quits. That's the best thing about him, I think. Yeah, he's the Energizer Bunny, you know, on steroids even. I want to talk a little bit about the premise for this story because I I find it fascinating that dead out of the first thing out of the book is you've got a guy on a cruise over, you know, in the Mediterranean or something, mm-hmm. and he's checking his, his you know, for people who have not been on a cruise, every cruise ship has Wi-Fi or satellite sure. or something. You can, you can get on all your social media. So this guy goes and he checks his home security system and sees that someone is breaking in there. Right. You know, I'm try when I first started reading I'm saying, how am I going to connect the dots to Alex McKnight on this? But it's interesting to me more that you chose to use what has become very standard in day-to-day life, having a smart home, having a home that's nanny cammed or security cameras all over. How did you have that premise come to mind? Well, it's it's certainly very un-Alex uh, as a way to start a book. Um, Alex yes. lives in, in a cabin in the woods, and the most high-tech thing he does is run a snowplow. But um, it was it's sort of a misdirection, really. And it's sort of it's like what's the what's the most distant, un, unlikely thing that you could start a book with that's going to end up with Alex McKnight, and then and then from there it even gets more unlikely because there's a dead body, there is a very very bad guy who is responsible, and he is—he—he he, he essentially lets himself get caught, and he will take the FBI um, and this team to the site where he claims one more victim is still alive, but he will only do it if a certain ex-Detroit cop comes along, a guy named Alex McKnight, and the whole mystery of the book, of the whole first part of the book, is that. Alex has no idea why he would be called. Right, Tim. He has no yeah. connection that he can remember to this guy. He was never met him in Detroit when he was a cop. Never had any contact with him that he can that that he knows of. So that's really that was sort of the premise, really, for the whole first part of the book. Is is how could Alex get drawn into something? Because there are there are other books where he gets drawn away from home. He goes up to Canada, right, to help Vinny look for his brother and Bud is this guy, for instance. There, right. Um, but that's you always know why he's going. This is the one book I thought, you know, uh, let's have him go somewhere where, you, where he doesn't know why. It's a really interesting story. I have to tell you, I mean, this is, you know, there's, there's a lot of words on, in this book and a lot of pages in this book, too. But I, I was riveted by it. I was riveted. It was so good. But I want to talk to you a little bit about because this is such a scary character. Your bad yeah. guy is a truly bad guy. Um, in you know, I have a galley of your book, and in the beginning of it, where you talk about your acknowledgments and all, you also discuss some of the books you use for research, which I yeah. found fascinating. Um, not only did you read books about Bundy and and Richard Ramirez, right. you also wrote. Um, t- one that sounds fascinating to me, Anatomy of Motive. 
Oh yeah. What did you find out from that? Right. That was and that, that book was was that by that was a John Douglas book, wasn't it? Who was sort of the no this uh, uh, yes John Douglas and, yeah, and Mark um, Olshaker. It really uh-huh. sort of um, was and that, yeah I got it right in front of me the the anatomy of motive John Douglas and Mark Olshaker they they did a number of books together. John Douglas was really the when you think about and you know you just turn on primetime TV you'll see Criminal Minds and all these shows about uh-huh, um, uh-huh. FBI profilers at the behavioral right. analysis unit. And this whole idea that we are now accustomed to sort of accepting as gospel, really, that these profilers can come in and sort of understand what a serial killer is thinking and what they're going to do next. And they sort of build, you know, he's a white male in his 30s and he's a loner and all this. And, right, right. And, you sort of, and and that's and it, that's great that that's a great tool. I'm not I'm not going to knock that at all, and, and it's it certainly helped solve a lot of crimes. But no tool is infallible, and if you rely on one thing to the exclusion of, of everything else, you can go down the wrong road, as we've seen with the with the Beltway sniper, right. who they thought they had a oh, yeah. profile on, and in the white van, the loner yep. turned out to be something completely different. Even even right. the Unabomber, the most you know sort of sought after. Fugitive right. in, in, in in history, really, in terms of the resources. The Olympics, they, the uh, the Olympics bomber in, sure. in Atlanta. Yeah, that was another. That's know? a case where they had the wrong guy because they sort of yeah. assume you can jump to conclusions that this is what I'm looking for. Um, and so that was one of the things. You know, one of the one of the sort of counterpoints in this book was that was that these guys think they know all about this guy, mm-hmm. uh, and. Even after you know, even after even after they've they've caught him, they think they think it's over. Okay, but um, Alex is just he sort of lives more by gut instinct. And when he meets this guy, there's some stuff going on there that he doesn't quite meet that profile. And uh, he finds out that sometimes your gut instincts about somebody is is, is really the best way to go. Yeah, but, but um, this book was just another book, really about sort of what drives people like that. Did you, um, do you enjoy the process of writing, researching and writing one more than the other even? I like writing um, the most. Actually, um, that's where, I mean, on the good days when you, when you sort of have, you see where it's going and Mm -hmm. it just goes and, um, and it feels easy, a, a little easier than normal. And you get mm-hmm. a lot. That's, those are the great day. Those are the days where it's great to be a writer. Um, not every day is like that, of course. And uh, I'm sure every writer that you've talked to will attest to that. Whether no matter what your your routine is, no matter what time of day you write, mm-hmm. some days just does it just it's just a lot harder than others. And those are the days you really have to still show up. Yeah. Well, this is your job. You have to be there, or n- there's no substitute. There's no uh, calling someone to to do it for you. You've you've got no, to do it, it yourself. Really, really isn't. Well, some um, actually some authors do that. They they call somebody else to do them, but that's that's another story. That that's a different that's a different kind that's of writing, I think. That's a different right. kind of thing. Yeah, right. Right. Um, you know, and you're right. Some they say when you're in the zone, you're in the zone, and it's it's such a good feeling and all. But I have a lot of friends who say when they when they close the last page and they have their little you know done hashtag on there they say that's the best part of it 
you know, <laughs> that's that's yeah. what gives them a thrill that it's yeah. it's a no, I, it's laborious. I don't feel that way at all, it's, really. I feel really? bad. I I feel kind of let down when it when it's all done. It's like, oh man, this is. I mean, not that that's the end. If it's the first draft, certainly you're going to be going back over it a lot. Sure. But, um, I always feel a little let down that that day when I get to the end and I and, and I write the end, um, especially if you spend a lot of time with the book, you know, because it sort of feels sad that that you're going to move on to something else pretty soon, because because hmm. you, you really start to start to live in that world of that book. Do you often have other stories uh, hanging in your mind, just waiting to get written? Uh, not really. I, I know some authors do. I'll, I'll sit on a panel with somebody like a Kent Kruger or somebody who'll talk about all right. the other stories that are ideas that are bombarding their heads and they have to resist them and, you know, finish the project. You know, I, I wish I had that problem. That would be really nice. I always want to smack these people and say, you know, <laughs> this is the worst thing in your life. You have too many ideas. Oh, oh all right. Let me feel sorry for you. Um, I usually, you know, hey, I wanna... I, it, you work hard Go ahead. to get ideas, I, I think. I bet, I bet. People. Yeah. How do you know which idea you have is really one you should keep and not toss? It's just, you know, going back to what Alex does and how he feels, it's just that you have this gut feeling about it. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's almost like in somebody, what was it, Stephen Sador said, once said that you should write the book that you're most afraid of. Um, really? Yeah. Now, I think that, that was a great that was a great line, and it came right after the Lock Artist, which was which I was really afraid of when I was writing it. And so, um, it, it really felt right to hear that. It's like the idea that makes you a little nervous and like, oh man, I, can I do this? Or will, will this really work? And can I do it? That's that's usually the one you should try. I think. Why not? Do you are you worried at what your readers are going to think when you finish a book? I mean, does it still make you a little nervous when the book is released and you're waiting to hear what people say? I mean, any human being is going to feel a little bit of that when they when they when they put when they create something and they put they put something mm-hmm. out and it's and, and it's so easy for somebody just to read it and say, oh, this isn't any good, one star or whatever. You know, it's just so easy mm-hmm. to to do that. And so I try not to even be aware of that as much as possible, uh, but. Um, you know, really, when I go to the events and when I see people who know the character and know the series and know and know me, mm-hmm. those are the people that I really, um, those are the people that I want to hear from. If, if this book held up and if it's as good as the others or the best yet or whatever, and that's that's what really what really means the most to me. I bet, I bet, and um, those are the people you're writing for too, isn't that true, Steve? If I'm writing for anybody other than myself, mm-hmm. it is the readers who have been with me from the beginning, yes. Yeah. Let's talk about The Lock Artist. Um, this is maybe being made into a film. Are you able to t- discuss that? It is. Yeah, it's, it, it was optioned. It's, it's still in the process. I, and, I mean, the Nick Mason series is also, you know, that, was, uh, that was optioned by Lionsgate, and that's in the process. It's, a, it's just a big process out there and in, in wait and in see yeah la and yeah. it's i'm learning more about it and i you know you can i can see how some writers could can get really sucked into it and um i just i would i really want to just concentrate on the next book because that's the thing i have control over sure all that stuff going sure, on sure. there i got no control over at all so I'm, you could really drive you crazy if you let it 
I would imagine. So let's talk about Nick Mason, who I have to admit, I love his character a lot. I mean, I like Alex, too, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but but I like Nick Mason a lot. Okay. And, and I think that's a guy who, you know, I want to hear from again. Will you be writing Nick oh, yeah. Mason again? Oh, sure. Again? I'm working on it right now. I'm working on, 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 on the third one right now. Um, <clears throat> Nick Mason, of course, he's uh, he's younger than Alex. He's stronger. He's harder. He's lived a whole different kind of life. He's, you know, the first time you see him in that first book, The Second Life, and Nick Mason, he's walking through the gates of a prison. Right. Uh, that a prison that he expected he'd probably be in for the rest of his life, but you know, he has this he makes this deal to get out. That's really what that whole first book is about. So, you know, this is a professional criminal. And, you know, there's no excusing that or explaining that away. I mean, I still hope that you're interested in him and that you can relate to some of the things that he feels like how much he cares about his family and especially Oh yeah. Um, Yes. He is a very different guy than Alex McKnight, who was an ex cop. Um, So, and if, if, and when they ever end up together on, on, in the same book, it'll be an interesting meeting, I think. It sure will, because there's a reluctant hero and a reluctant professional criminal, too. Uh, in Exit Strategy, I recall that he wa- thought he figured it all out only at the last minute to get his chain yanked, and, and yeah. he was in. And um, I, it was a fascinating book to me. That was one, one of my favorite books last year. I, well, I just love that book. You know, it was really – and I still think about that book all the time. That's why I know it, it was so good. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm very anxious to hurry up and finish reading that book. <laughs> um, you're starting a very big book tour. I, I have your page up, your website up. And by the way, for those of you who are listening, um, you go to authorstevehamilton.com and um, his tour is up there. You are just on a crazy busy schedule for the next three weeks of stopping everywhere, sometimes twice in one day or four times in one day, sure. at least. Why not? Should, well, I mean, oh my as, God. As long as you're out there, well, I mean, you might as well go do everything you can, see everybody that, that you can. Um, and, well, that's true. And of course, it all starts in Michigan, which is where I came from, and right. which is where Alex comes from. And on the comes 20th from. anniversary of that first book, and you know, finally coming back, it's been five years since the last Alex McKnight book. Wow. So, I hope people are ready for him again, and I hope I see a lot of them out at these events. I think you probably will. This is a you know a really great character and a great book. I know you're going to be at BoucherCon in September, and then you're doing um, continuing on with your book tour after that. Um, you're not. You're the further south you're going is to Savannah, Georgia, and um, I'm kind of bummed about that because we have a lot of really great places down here in Florida. I know. Well, actually, I mean, Boucher County, Florida, this year. <clears throat> right. So I'll be but in. You could, I'll be in St. Pete for that. But I, I will see you because it's it's two, it's an hour and forty five minutes from my home. So okay. I will see you there, and I I hope you'll come and sit in on the gaggle. Um, let's talk about your social media where everyone can find you if they want to hook up with you. Where can they go? Well, I'm on Twitter. That's author Steve, and uh, certainly uh, I'm I'm on Facebook. Just uh, you know, just go to. I think it's author Steve Hamilton on Facebook, yeah. And, um, and of course, my website. And better yet, come out and see me somewhere in person. There you go. There you go. We'll just hang out. There you go. I I never do a boring event 
where I just stand up there and read to you, read pages at you. Or I, I've never done that, literally. In 20 years of, of events, I've never stood up and said, okay, here's chapter one, and then just read it for 20 minutes. I, I just Some people can sort of do that, maybe a couple people in the world, and I just, I just don't do that. You know, I I like to hear bits and pieces of the story in the author's own voice because, um, you know, I'm looking at your character probably a lot different than you were looking at him when you wrote him. So for me, it's very interesting to hear the author's voice speak the character's dialogue um, for for tone and, and timbre, intonation, everything like that. Right. I like listen. I, no, I don't. Wouldn't want you to read a whole chapter. I right, can right. read the chapter myself, but I do like hearing um, the author's dial. The author reads some of the dialogue. I, I find that fascinating. I'm so often wrong in the way I'm envisioning the author writing it. <laughs> you know, so to me, right. that's a that's a fascinating part. I, I like that part a lot. All right. So um, when I see you in Florida, I'll I'll just read some to you. Huh, you read to me. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm bringing my book so you can sign it, my galley, so you can sign it for me, and then you just read to me, and I'll I'll be a happy girl. I'll I'll leave okay. that day. You know, no reason for me to stay around <laughs> anymore. <laughs> Steve Hamilton, international best-selling author from the New York Times and everything else. Um, the new book is called Dead Man Running. It is an Alex McKnight novel. I'm so glad that you chose me to t- first to talk about this. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Good luck on book tour. Have a good time. Um, anyone you want to give a shout-out to besides well, th- your family? Well, thank you so much, first of all. Thank you. And, um, You're welcome. I love having you uh, here. I'm looking forward to seeing you in St. Pete. It'll be a little bittersweet for me to be there because that's where my father lived for oh. the last 20 years or so, and he just passed away in May um, right oh, there in Tampa. So, but it'll, uh, you know, I'll, so it'll be it'll be good though. It'll be good to go back. Um, and you know, I'll take some time and go back to the house. It's, my my stepmom still still lives there, and I'll see her and her dog. And oh, that'll um, be nice. But it'll be you know it'll be. It'll be good though. I mean, this this whole trip, you know, it's, it sounds really crazy and busy, and it will be. But um, I always love doing it. I, I honestly do. I'm glad. I, Twenty I'm glad. years later, having done it now, this is what number fifteen. I still love doing that, and because um, and uh, otherwise I wouldn't do it. So I wouldn't do it with three events a day. Can you imagine how many people get to say that? I get to say it. You get to say it. I mean, I feel like I'm living the the charmed life here. You know, this is the yeah. this is the best thing I've ever done. But I, I say that about everything. But but how many people really get to say that? Uh, and I I think being in this industry, you know, I'm not a writer, obviously, but um, but I have published a book, but I'm not a writer. Okay. Uh, I get to read them, so I think it's the best there is. You get I, the the yeah the most creative, intelligent people you get well, to great. interact with. Yeah. Glad you feel that way, and as far as I'm concerned, I I get to be what I wanted to be when I grew up. So that's that makes me pretty lucky. Really, did you, Steve? I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred. I didn't know that. Definitely. You may have taught me that once before, and I've forgotten. Well, listen, I I wish you the best of luck. Have fun on your tour, and um, and we'll have a glass of wine at BoucherCon, and you'll come to the gaggle and and you know, teach the youngins how it's really done. <laughs> you got it. I'll be there. <laughs> Thanks for so much for being with me. Right. Have a Thank great you. evening, Steve. Thanks. Thanks. Talk you to too. you later. Bye-bye. Bye.
And that's my first show. Stay tuned, and I'll be back later. Thanks for listening, and thank you, Mom and Dad. Thank you.